Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. And welcome back, Steeler fans. Welcome back to part two of this episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. If you're watching me live, you know it's not Friday night, at least not in Pittsburgh. It's Friday afternoon, and we're still a few hours away from the Steelers and Panthers preseason finale in Carolina at 7.30. And the reason why I'm, I'm on now is because I can't do a show during the game, so we have to get the uh, we have to turn the six-pack into a happy hour, kind of. That's why I'm joining you, and I'm glad you're with me, and hopefully you're enjoying the show. Um. It's a piggyback on what we talked about in the first half, and that's some battles, some performances to keep an eye on, some some uh, individual players. And Andrew Wilbar says the Steelers need to cut Benny, no room. Brad Jewett says Benny's going to go 150 and two touchdowns, and I don't know if he's going to get the opportunity to rush for 150 yards, but if he has that kind of pace, that might bode well for him. Brad Jewett says of Benny Snell, who's a very – very uh, popular figure to talk about, both in a positive and negative sense. And he says, I'm with you, Cree, meaning Creeks. No shot of Snell making the 53 unless he does what I mentioned right there with you, man. I don't know. You know, I guess it all depends. A lot of these players, all they need is one one champion in, in the coach's room to, to keep them on the roster. We saw that with uh, Invincible, right? I mean, they were all, they all wanted to cut Vince Papali, but Chris was an important champion. That was the head coach, <laughs> and that's how he got to stay on the team. But you don't know how how some of these uh, 
guys feel about Snell or Samuels. I mean, it, you know, Danny Smith might love Samuels for what he does for special teams, and that, that might be enough uh, to keep him on the roster. Maybe it's Samuels' uh, previous relationship with uh, Matt Canada in, in college. You know, Canada uh, spent a lot of years with a lot of different teams in college as their coordinator and uh, position coach and everything, head coach for for uh, for uh, for Maryland. So that might be enough to, to keep Samuels on the team. It's just, it's just, you just never know. All right. My next topic wasn't well, really a topic necessarily. It's just, I just want to continue to talk about some players who I'm looking forward to watching on Friday. And another one I'm, I'm kind of intrigued about. I didn't think I would be, but until, until Tomlin mentioned him in his press conference and that's Trey Norwood, the seventh round pick out of Oklahoma, the, the uh, what he called the Swiss army knife when he announced the draft pick way back in, I guess, April. Uh, evidently he's going to, he's going to get a chance to, to play some in, in the nickel. And as you might uh, know, the Steelers aren't settled at that position quite yet. The conventional wisdom is that Cameron Sutton will be the, the uh, slot corner. Um, when they uh, when they go to sub packages and somebody like James Pierre will play on the outside when they play you know I guess base defense which they don't do a whole heck of a lot these days then Sutton will be the the uh, the outside corner but I don't know um, if, if you read Jeffrey Benedict's piece the other day there really isn't a uh, a solid Mike Hilton, I mean there's a solid Mike Hilton replacement on the roster, but it really isn't a somebody at that level, which I guess is reasonable when you think about how good Mike Hilton really is as a slot corner and overall player. Um, Antoine Brooks was, was a uh, favorite to, to make the team early in training camp and through the preseason, but, but he was waived the other day with an injury and, as far as I know, he still hasn't been re-signed. Nobody's claimed him. So uh, if he's not on the roster, then maybe the duties will go to Arthur Millette, the veteran from the Jets. Um, or maybe it's just going to be Sutton. And and James Pierre will, will, James, James Pierre will, will go to the outside when, when Sutton moves inside. That's been talked about all offseason. A lot of people are, are – are, high on Pierre. Um, Jeffrey called him a solid replacement, a solid option. I should, I guess he should, I should say for like a, a, a Steven Nelson, but maybe that's all you can get right now is a solid option for, a, to replace a guy like Nelson on the outside. Cause Nelson say what you want about him. He was pretty darn good cornerback when he was here for those two years. So that's maybe something they have to, they have to do. You know, I know a lot of people are, are still calling for them to go out and make a trade for like a Stefan Gilmore or, or wait for somebody to get cut a la Joe Hayden a few years ago and, and pick that player up. But you just don't know what they're thinking about these guys. And James Pierre is that is one such player that you just don't know how they feel about him. If they're as high on him as a lot of the fans are, then maybe they they're confident that, that he could, do the job and, and, and continue to get better at that position. 
And, uh, you know, maybe it's going to have to be bat- baptism by fire for him this year as, a, as an outside corner whenever uh, Sutton moves inside. Maybe that's the plan. And that's just, it's just going to have to be that way. Like I was saying um, months ago, you know, if you're going to cut a player like Steven Nelson for as productive as he was, for as good as he was, and again, I know a lot of people kind of poo-pooed the, the corner he was after he got cut, but I think that was more based on emotion because of some of the things he said on the way out the door because they couldn't come to an agreement on 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 salary, on, on a contract um, renegotiation. But the fact of the matter is, if um, they need, if they want a corner that could that could be really really good, that w- that they were going to pay eight nine million dollars in twenty twenty one, that was Stephen Nelson. Once they decided to move on from him, I didn't see them going out and and finding his equal or somebody even better than him as a replacement to somebody that you would have to pay as much or more. It just it just doesn't make any sense. Doesn't add up that they would. Go out and they they would go that route. So once they decide to move on from Nelson, to me that was t- that tells me that that was a vote of confidence for Sutton, for Pierre, for those kind of players on this team that they were going to get a shot and they were going to do the job. Remember back way back when two thousand nine, Brian McFadden left as a free agent after the 08 season after that second Super Bowl, and the plan was to go with Willie Gay as the number two corner. It didn't quite work out, admittedly, and McFadden was actually back here in 2010. But that was the plan. That was they 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 knew that they couldn't afford McFadden. They had Ike Taylor on the other side. They had Troy as far as defensive backs. So you know he wasn't a corner, but you know they had a lot of money tied up in their secondary with with Troy and their defense in general with Troy and James Harrison, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they they the plan was to let McFadden walk as a free agent. And and give Willie Gay the uh, the shot as the uh, the second corner. It didn't work out, but just because it didn't work out then doesn't mean it can't work out now. And uh, I fully think that's how it's going to go down. It's going to be it's going to be Sutton and Pierre uh, alternating as as the outside corner. Sutton in base, Pierre when they go to I guess what dime nickel. You know, you know, and we have to remember, there's also talk of players like Joe Schobert playing what the nickel or the or the dime. So you know, there's all kind of possibilities. There's, there's all kind of ways they can they can kind of uh, mask this problem when it comes to their sub packages and and who plays dime, who plays nickel, and uh, that's the, that's the uh, the value of having a lot of. Well, first of all, it's the value of having an excellent defense, like an incredibly talented defense. And having this uh, philosophy over the last few years of going out and get, getting players that can do multiple things. And Trey Norwood, who's a rookie and totally unproven, is one such example of somebody uh, that they identified in college who can play safety, can play in, in the slot, can play, uh, I guess, traditional cornerback, I, you know, just all kind of different positions. And, and then when, when the time is, uh, when the time calls for it, those guys will get their opportunity and they have to make the most of it. So Trey Norwood's another one I'm looking forward to watching tonight. Of course, I'm looking forward to watching Shamir Jones and Quincy Roche. Cause I assume 
they're going to get the uh, they're going to be the, the, the starters on the uh, outside linebacker because obviously TJ Watt's not playing. And there's no reason to play Alex Highsmith at this point. I think he's proven himself. He's a stud. He's going to be a damn good player. I, I don't know what kind of stats he's going to have in the second year, but he's going to be a productive player. He's going to be a, a problem. It's going to be a pick your poison kind of thing with this defense as far as who you, who you double team. So it's going to be Roche and Jones uh, starting. And I don't think uh, Melvin Ingram is going to play either. Why, why play him? He's a veteran. He's been around, you know what he can do. He, he was brought in to be a, uh, to be the top, the primary backup. So there's really no reason to throw him out there and risk injury when you brought him in here to be a guy who comes in and spells other players when they're, when they're um, tired or when they're, when they're hurt, he fills in for them. So there's no reason to, to, to risk him tonight in, the, in a totally meaningless game when you already know he's going to make the team. So it's going to be between Roche and, and, and Jones, probably as far as who's the uh, fourth linebacker. And, and if they don't go beyond four, uh, it's going to be an interesting decision uh, come cutdown day. Jones has had a, a fantastic camp and uh, preseason. But if you listen to uh, Jeffrey Benedict's first show uh, from the cutting room floor a couple weeks ago, he talked about how like somebody like Tuzar Skipper, he always looked great when he played against the threes and the fours. But when he played against people who were considered ones and twos, he disappeared. So is that the case with a player like Jones or even a Roche? Do they simply produce when they're playing against people who are at their level or lower? Or can they rise up and, and do something against people that are perceived to be higher pedigree than them? So that's, that's going to be an interesting battle, something I'm looking forward to. And, of course, the, the punting situation. Is there any chance at all that Jordan Berry makes this team, that he survives another cut? It's highly unlikely, and it, it seems doubtful that it would be swayed by one bad game from Harvin or one excellent game from Barry, because I think we all know Barry knows how to – he can have great games as a punter. He's, he's shown that in the past. As people have pointed out with him, though, when they're, when he's called upon to um, to get a, give them a, a good uh, punt, he comes up short. So that's – the problem isn't – Jordan Barry overall being a good punter is just when they need him the most, he seems to to come up small. So, but stranger things have happened. So I'm going to be looking forward to uh, watching those two punt tonight. And there's one more battle or one more guy I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about. And, and I talk about him every week. And I think there's a possibility that he could win the starting left tackle job. And that's Dan Moore the rookie fourth-round pick from Texas A&M. If you watched uh, Tomlin's presser, he wouldn't—he really wouldn't commit to anybody on the line. But I think you can assume that that Dawson's going to be the, the left guard, that uh, Trey Turner's going to be the, the right tackle. Zach Banner might be a, uh, a total unknown as far as is his readiness for at, at right tackle. So there's a possibility that, that, that more might have a chance to, to grab one, like even that, that job too. Cause he's played, he, he's not playing right tackle as the uh, preseason has progressed. He's, he's not just a, a left tackle anymore, which is, which is what he played all throughout college. He's been being, he's been playing at right tackle in, in an attempt to, to uh, 
become their top swing tackle, but maybe it's, it's because they're, they're priming him to be either the starting left tackle or the starting right tackle. Because again, Tomlin wouldn't commit to anybody as far as uh, who had a, a, a job sewn up on the line. And I think you're, I think he was mainly talking about or, or, or refusing to talk about the tackle positions. So I have a $5 super chat that I missed. I gotta, I gotta find that and uh, put it up here. And I thank you for the five bucks. I got to find out who, who, who donated. Bear with me. Yeah, I'll just pull it up this way. That's from Dave Shipley. And he says, isn't Marsh, 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 meaning Cassius Marsh, their fourth, and they only keep five? I mean... You would think that Marsh would be the number four, but I mean, no offense to him, but what has he really done in the NFL? He's just been a, a veteran journeyman backup, essentially. He really hasn't done a whole heck of a lot. So um, even if you're right and they keep five, it doesn't mean that Marsh is going to make the team. You know, if, if they keep four, he, he's definitely in trouble. But oh, there it is. I'll, I'll highlight it for you. There's Dave's uh, generous $5 super chats. Thank you, Dave. Uh, but if they decide to keep five, it doesn't mean Marsh is going to be safe either. If they if they really like Jones and, and Roche enough, then they might say bye-bye to Marsh because they have their veteran uh, backup in Ingram, a guy who could play on either side. So that's your that's your safety net. That's your, uh, that's your security blanket in case uh, Highsmith or, or, or Watt can't go for a week or, or several weeks. Knock on wood. So, uh, you know, I'm not really, I know he could play special teams and everything, meaning Marsh, but I'm not really that uh, impressed by him. If you have somebody, if you have a couple young guys that you're really excited about, meaning Roche and Jones, I mean, I think why not go, why not go with them? I mean, you can always find another Cassius Marsh if you really need that guy. I mean, those guys are out there all, I mean, we saw it. The last couple of years with, with, with J. Rohn Elliott, he's Cassius Marsh. I mean, that's that that's that kind of player. Anthony Ciccolo, somebody who, you know, essentially he's a, he's a roster clogger. He can't really do anything uh, special. He's just a, a professional who maybe knows the defense, but he's really not a playmaker. And here, there's Steeler Kev. Welcome to the show, Steeler Kev. And, and they say, Joe Haig. Best run blocker in preseason per pro football focus. That's interesting. Cause I know he struggled. Uh, he struggled with um, in pass protection a little bit, but I, I think he's going to make the team, but I don't see him being a starter. I mean, he's somebody who, you know, keeps himself valuable because he can play both tackle and guard. So I can see him. I definitely expect him to make the team. Um, but as far as him starting, I think, you know, why not go with a Dan Moore if if you think he he uh, is is capable of doing it? I realize you know coaches are are kind of hesitant to go with rookies, especially Tomlin. I mean, he's not really uh, one to, to throw the rookies in there unless he absolutely has to. But I think sometimes you just have to take a chance. You know, like I talked about James Pierre, he's essentially a rookie. Sometimes you just have to take a chance and trust in your ability to to evaluate talent and, and, and coach them up and, and develop them. And, 
you know, again, you can always, if, if you have to, and, and say banner's not ready, maybe your, your shoot just isn't, isn't getting it done. And you're in, in, in more struggles. Once you put them in as a starter, you can always go to a player like Haig who started, you know, what dozens of games in the league, you know, what you pretty much have in him. So you can always, you know, like a Wisniewski or somebody like that, like you had, you know, you, you were supposed to have last year anyway, before he, he missed pretty much the entire year with injury. He just retired by the way. So good luck to him with his life's work. But you know, you, you always, as long as you have Haig on the roster, you can always go to him if you had to. That's what those kind of guys are for. Kind of like with Ingram, as long as you have him around, uh, that's a, uh, you feel a lot better. <laughs> Here's one from Port Quimba. And he says, Joe Haig is most likely to never be mentioned on behind, behind the steel curtain again, according to Port Quimba. That's, that's Port Quimba. That's a strong uh, negative for Joe Haig. So there you go. Dante Harris says, I think Mike Tomlin might surprise us and start more. I think so too. You know, uh, if you look at, if you want to go by things like behind, uh, by, by pro football focus, I think, I'm not sure if it went through the Lions game, but there was a point in the preseason where he had, you know, so many uh, drop, uh, he was, you know, so many uh, dropbacks, you know, pass protection plays where he didn't give up a sack or maybe even a pressure to me that that tells me something, you know, and, and I was intrigued by that guy right from the very beginning. Again, I don't know anything about, about technique. I can't look at her uh, alignment and, and, and say, Oh, he, look at that technique. Although it, it is, easy, it is easy to spot when they get beat. But when I saw the um, advanced stats right after he was drafted, you know, in, in, in last year, 327 dropbacks and he only allowed two sacks in the sec to me, that told me something. So I, I eventually I immediately put up a uh, put that in my little back pocket and, and and wanted to see how he played in the preseason and so far so good. Here's uh Dave Shipley again. So another five bucks. Thank you. So sir, everybody out of the area knows NFL Game Pass live streams or the rerun is on at eleven thirty. On NFL Network, what's up, Tony? Well, thank you, Dave. Maybe you weren't the one who uh, did. I get people mixed up. Were you, were you not the one who who sent a uh, who, who just gave me a super chat? That'd be embarrassing. But either way, thanks for the information, Dave, and thank you, thank you for the five bucks. That is true. Um, NFL Game Pass does have have that capacity. I don't. As a, as a Pittsburgher, I'd never have to worry about things like that. But um, yeah, it live streams it, and the rerun is on at eleven thirty. So thank you for that info. Oh, it was Dave. Well, thank you, Dave. Thank you for uh, providing the the five dollars, donating that, and providing the info. It was very nice of you. Evan. Gulls says, I know it's off topic. Not necessarily. Nothing's off topic here because we're all talking about young players. Speaking of tight end, I'm excited for Pat Fryermuth. Yeah, I'm excited about him too. I think everybody is. The guy looks, he looks legit. I mean, he's only played in one game, but he looks like he can be a, a real 
weapon in the passing game. Now, people are talking about his blocking. His blocking's only been okay. I mean, he's never had the reputation of being a great blocker. Uh, I think people just assume that because of he's an inline tight end, not a like a big receiver like a lot of these tight ends are. But uh, he's not really been that great as a blocker, but the guy's a weapon in, in the passing game, and especially in the red zone. So he had a great week last week uh, playing with Ben Roethlisberger, the two red zone touchdowns. He, he displayed great athleticism, great body control. It was it was a sight to see. So yeah, I'm I'm excited about him too. Although I'm not ready to totally give up on Eric Ebron. I mean, I, I realize where you know, like Jerry Seinfeld said one time, you know, society's turned into like everything's either either sucks or it's or or it's great. It's great or it sucks. There's no in between. So you see a player like Ebron, he doesn't have a great re- reputation as a as a blocker. He certainly doesn't have a a great reputation as a for, for, I'm sorry, his, his reputation for dropping passes is, is, is definitely justified. So people are, you know, want, wanting to trade him. I saw some discussion the other day on, on Twitter, trade him for a seventh round pick and get rid of him. And like, come on, the guy's still a good tight end, actually a very good tight end. You know, um, is he a great blocker? No, but if you looked at the preseason, you know, if you're going by PFF, Dave posted, Dave Schofield posted something. I think it was today uh, about his uh, his blocking. It's better than he's grayed out better than Fryermuth. So, you know, take that for for what it's worth. But uh, he's a he's a really good weapon in the passing game. So I, I don't know why people just want to get rid of him. You know, okay, you like you, you like the rookie better. I get it. Everybody's excited about the rookie, but this isn't an either or situation when it comes to the tight ends. Um, you're going to be using a lot of two tight end sets in Matt Canada's offense. So why would you want to get rid of a really good tight end just because you like the rookie and you don't like the veteran that much because he drops passes and he laughs and he's not always the most pleasant on social media. At least he wasn't in the past when he was complaining about the, the NFL um, with all the postponements last year, which kind of makes me laugh because uh, that's all the fans did last year was complain about the, about the cancellations, the postponements. But anyway, that's a not really what I, uh, it's just a rant that I didn't think I was going to go on. But why would you want to have both of those guys on the team? You know, chances are Ebron's not going to be here after this year anyway. This is last year here. He signed a two-year deal. You want him on there. Ben seems to like throwing him the ball. He's a he's a matchup problem. Yeah, he drops passes, but he also ca- catches it quite a, quite a few too. So I think they would be a better team if they had both of those guys on the roster and not just one. Uh, uh, and, and then you're going with Zach Gentry as your number two. I don't think you'd want that. That would not bode well for this offense. And Evan Gull says, no, I don't think we should cut Ebron necessarily. He does make some good blocks here and there. I mean, he's a good, he's a good all around player. He's not a great player, but nobody ever said he was. He's a good tight end. And sometimes good players have flaws and, and his is unfortunate for him dropping, <laughs> dropping passes every now and then. But I don't think that's enough to, I don't, I don't think it's enough to cut him, which is what a lot of people are saying. Not really cut him, but trade him, which why would you want to like, what, what good would a seventh round pick do? Um, if you if you want to get rid of Eric Ebron, I, I don't know. 
Port Naquimba says asks if a team traded a quarter if, if a team suffered a quarterback injury and we were offered a 22 2022 third round pick for either Mason or Haskins which one would you trade well I would probably trade uh Rudolph because I think Haskins has a higher upside um and, you know I I, I wouldn't want to and he's a restricted free agent next year so he's going to be here again next year so uh, I, I didn't know that actually until recently. So they're, they're both pretty, you know, they're, they're Haskins, or I'm sorry, Rudolph is the only one under contract. Um, so if they can get a third round pick for him, that'd be great. But, you know, I'm, I wouldn't actively shop either one of those guys. I'd keep them all on the roster. Because yeah. I think, you know, you have to, if Rudolph's ceiling is as a backup, then he wouldn't be a bad backup to have next year. Uh, provided Ben's gone and, and you have to go with a younger quarterback, like, like a rookie, or if you decide to go with Haskins, at least you have uh, Rudolph who's been an assistant for a few years and, 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 and knows the deal. Steeler Kev donate, donates $5. Thank you for that. And, and, and they say Canada's offense needs two tight ends. Exactly. That's one of the things. Um, that's one of the reasons why Friday Muth was brought in because they wanted to utilize two tight ends. It wasn't, to replace Ebron and, 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 and have one tight end in there. It's it, they're going to be using two tight ends and a, a lot of packages. And on that note, uh, 50 minutes in, I'm going to call it a day. And I thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the questions and the super chats. It was fantastic. It was a good show. Um, next time I talk to you to be on the hangout with Brian and Shannon white, but in the meantime, you're going to get one last Steeler Steeler preseason game in, sorry, somebody swearing at somebody else in traffic. So I was distracted. Anyway, hope you didn't hear that on there on, on the, uh, through my microphone. Probably not. But anyway, enjoy tonight's game. Uh, hopefully, um, there aren't any major injuries. Hopefully one of these, uh, one or a few of these young guys can uh, really make a name for themselves. And there's a lot of guys that are, that are getting ready to play tonight that this might be the last time they ever play football. So, you know, wish them luck. And uh, until I talk to you again, have a great weekend and go Steelers. <laughs>